I'm Kim Hunter, and this is the Detroit Book Review, where Metro booksellers give us the latest on what they're recommending and what Detroiters are reading. Today with us at Source Booksellers is distinguished Detroit Free Press columnist Rochelle Riley, who has been feted with many awards. She is an inductee into both the Michigan Journalism Hall of Fame and the North Carolina Media and Journalism Hall of Fame. She's garnered the Ida B. Wells Award for the National Association of Black Journalists, the Will Rogers Award from the National Society of Newspapers, a 2018 Lifetime Achievement Award from the Society of Professional Journalists. Janet Webster-Jones is speaking with her today because she has edited The Burden, African Americans and the Enduring Impact of Slavery, a gold medal winner for the Anthologies category and a finalist in the Political and Social Sciences category for the 2018 Forward Indies. Janet and Rochelle, take it away. First of all, welcome to Source Booksellers, Rochelle. Thank You've you. You've been so here much. before, but every time you come, is a, a wonderful. You bring a wonderful spirit to the store. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I have to tell you that I've been boning up on the book a little bit more. I did when it first came out. Did you plan this book for now, or was it something that you had conceived of way before this time period? I have been concerned about the impact of slavery my whole life. Um, I, I know what it did to my grandparents who didn't have the lives they might have had. So it's always been in the back of my mind, but the incident that caused me to stop thinking about it and do something about it was when this columnist in Pittsburgh named Jack Kelly wrote a column telling black people to just get over it. That slavery was a long time ago, it wasn't that bad, and nobody this living today is affected by it. So I didn't think I should write a column, you know, refuting uh, Mr. Kelly's opinion or saying that he was wrong because as a columnist, a former columnist now, you know, we follow the golden rule. The First Amendment matters and you can say what you want to say even if you're wrong. But I did write a Facebook post uh, expressing my anger and anguish at the idea that people still think that the enslavement of people for all those hundreds of years did not have an impact now. And the response to that Facebook post was so great, I decided to write an essay. And then I realized, well, that's still just one voice. So I decided to get a chorus of essays, just create a choir of anger and anguish. And I called up several people, and almost all of them said yes, and that's how the book came to be. Well, it's a beautiful book. It's packed with such a wonderful variety of uh, writers in the book. I'm just amazed that the combination of people is so good. I love the way you categorized every aspect of life sports, medicine, growing up. Each person wrote around that particular arena where they felt the burden of racism. You want to talk about the gathering of the people to write it? Well, I can tell you it was both heartbreaking and amazing that I just literally asked people that I knew or knew had an important voice. So my first call was to my uh, friend and colleague, Leonard Pitts, a Pulitzer mm -hmm. Prize-winning columnist in Miami. Mm -hmm. And he was finishing his novel, but he stopped what he was doing and said yes. Then my second call was to my friend, Nicole Hannah-Jones from the New York Times, and she's working on her book still. Mm -hmm. But she said, I'll stop and write the forward. And so with each person, I was bringing them to it because, A, I knew they had powerful voices and really important minds and would say something necessary. What was stunning for me was when everybody's essay came in, not one of them had written about the same subject. Isn't it? 
So that lets you know how all-encompassing it is. I didn't have to tell one person, well, somebody else already wrote about that, so you need to pick a different subject. They were all different. Mm. I also noticed the citations on the back of the book. As a bookseller, I look at pieces and parts of (laughs) books because we love to hand-sell books uh, to people. And I can do that by knowing uh, the insides and the outside of the book. You have some very important and prominent voices that did the citations on the back including Janetta Betch Cole, who was president of Spelman, my alma mater, mm. along with uh, Ibrahim Kendi, who's finished another book called How to Be an Anti-Racist. Mm-hmm. Each of the people who wrote it, I'm sure they got a copy, but also to the column, columnists that set you in you, onto this path. You know, I, I did not. I decided that his mind was so small and he represented so many people that all of those people who felt like he did mm-hmm. needed to hear it. And then he was no longer at the paper shortly after that. I won't oh. say that's what caused it, but mm-hmm. because he was no longer a columnist, we didn't have to fear his vitriol or mm-hmm. his uh, misguided notions mm-hmm. anymore. So I just pretty much forgot about him. Do you think that this is an angry book? No, not really, because the whole goal of the book, and as you know, once the book came out February Mm -hmm. a year ago, I literally went around the country having conversations with people about the book, Mm -hmm. and the audiences were so mixed that I Mm -hmm. felt more hopeful than I felt in a long time, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. people are finally actually realizing that that's not some past chapter that we have to hide or bury or not be allowed to talk about, Mm -hmm. but we have to deal with the fact that we never dealt with it. Mm -hmm. So it's a conversation that needed to happen. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I got Nicole Hannah-Jones, she's one of the best writers in America, a MacArthur genius. And Mm -hmm. when she sent the uh, forward, I I made sure that everybody else's essay was in first before I wrote, because I wanted to make sure Mm I sort of encapsulated what it would be. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my God, her forward is so good. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. what I decided to write was about how we have for more than a century been looking for permission Mm -hmm. to be free, to Mm -hmm. be happy, permission to vote, permission to sit on buses, mm-hmm. permission to drink from mm-hmm. water fountains, permission to run for office. Mm-hmm. That that wasn't freedom. Mm-hmm. And if people can understand that all of that is a part of being mm-hmm. free, then they can finally understand that it's their job to help make sure it happens mm-hmm. in America. There isn't a person who's responsible for what happened. There is a country that was responsible and still hasn't been brought to bear. Mm-hmm. Any reaction from historians? I have been so proud to had some of these conversations on college campuses, mm-hmm. and I could not stop myself. I cried when I walked into Albion College mm-hmm. uh, to give a lecture to a history class, and my book was their textbook mm-hmm. for the semester. You know, yes. that's the kind of thing that gives you, yes. you know, chills, and you have to yes. stand from it. And I couldn't stop yes. tearing up because uh-huh. I wished my grandparents were alive mm-hmm. to have known about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not received letters, but the response on Twitter and on social media mm-hmm. was amazing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. while I didn't talk specifically to historians, I did talk to people who work with mm-hmm. historians who mm-hmm. all... I mean, not one person disagreed or didn't understand. And that was the most important thing. I didn't want somebody calling saying, oh, God, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. They knew why. Sure, sure. They they knew why. They still know why. And this is part of having these strong voices, creating the conversation. They can be easily heard by other people. Well, what happens next? Well, as I say on my... 
Facebook page, or at least for a long time, I'm a writer by trade and a warrior mm -hmm. by necessity. <laughs> so I will yes. always be writing. But mm -hmm. uh, just recently, at the end of May, I became the director of arts and culture mm -hmm. for the city of Detroit. Mm -hmm. So I got sworn into office, which is a little scary. Yes. Um, but yes. so what I'm going to do now is use my voice to literally raise awareness mm -hmm. and joy about the collective genius that is in Detroit. Mm -hmm. The collective. Right. It is literally mm -hmm. world-class mm -hmm. talent, world-class programs, and people mm -hmm. don't know it because we we Detroiters know that we've always had this complex mm -hmm. about how great we are. <laughs> Everybody knows we're great except us. About uh -huh. it. So mm -hmm. all of what I can bring mm -hmm. from being a columnist mm -hmm. to that job, that's what I want to do. But mm -hmm. I have done a second book. Mm -hmm. It's for young readers. It's okay. called That They Lived. It's a collection of biographical, inspirational Beautiful. essays about famous African-Americans that every child should know. Mm -hmm. And it's about when they were children. Yes. Because I want yes. these nine-year-olds to think about the fact that every famous person, whether it was Martin Luther King or Muhammad Ali or Ida B. Wells, was once a child. Each essay starts with what they were doing when they right. were nine, 10, or 11 years right. old. Yes. I'm very interested in collections. Well, anyway. this was not what I planned to be doing. Mm -hmm. I've been working on a column, mm -hmm. I mean, not a column, a, a novel, mm -hmm. since 2000. Nine, <laughs> and uh, I'm finally finishing it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that was mm -hmm. what I planned to do. But if it takes ten years to do a novel, I better continue to do collections. Yeah. Well, if there's any, if there's any hope, Colson Whitehead was thirteen years writing the Underground Railroad, and it was well worth the wait. Yes. I got yes. to meet him, and yes. uh, just just to tell him for myself yes. how amazing he is. Amazing, and he's so funny. He's hilarious. He is the funniest person. He was. <laughs> we were at the Association of Writers and Publishers convention, uh -huh. and he was the keynote speaker. Uh -huh. It's one of the best speeches, mm -hmm. one of the best conversations mm -hmm. and performances before an audience about literary yes. and about life yes. that I think I've ever heard. So most writers have a, a process for getting work done. Can you talk about the different processes for writing columns, between writing columns and books? I think the thing they have in common is desperation. Oh. <laughs> Yes. Where you're always writing uh -huh. on deadlines. Uh -huh. So for me, with the book, even though I, I had the idea for the book in 2017, and I talked to Wayne State University mm -hmm. Press, and they said, wonderful. yes, we want it. Yes, that's And um, I got all the essays, and, and most of the work was getting everybody else to yes. meet a deadline and get everything uh -huh. there. And then I think I had a week mm -hmm. to finish my mm -hmm. essay to right. open the book, and I thought, God, yeah. what are you doing? And yeah. went, oh, you're just doing what you've been doing for 20 years, yeah. just writing so the at the last the, minute. The editing at the last minute, but also editing. But my uh, process usually is to write at mm -hmm. night when mm -hmm. everything else is quiet mm -hmm. and I put away the day job. Tell us about the organization, Letters to Black Girls. Mm -hmm. One of the people that I asked to contribute to the book was Tamara Winfrey Harris, mm -hmm. who wrote the book, The Sisters Are All yes, Right, yes. because there's nothing wrong with black women. Mm -hmm. And so when I talked to her about what I was doing, she said, I would love to write something too. She was doing a presentation to a women's group mm -hmm. uh, about how we need to look out for black girls. And mm -hmm. she just had this idea, I want you to write a letter that mm -hmm. I can give to a young woman, you know, a teenager. Mm -hmm. And these women loved it. Mm -hmm. And we were just having a conversation, and she said, I did this, and I thought that was so cool. And she was getting ready to move on. I said, stop, stop. my sister, what is wrong uh -huh. with you? Uh -huh. We need to do that for a lot of girls. Yes. That, that is not just a an exercise with your fabulous keynote. Uh -huh. That is a movement. Uh -huh. And she said, 
Oh wow. my God, you're right. Yeah. Will you help me? And I said, yes. yes. So all of a sudden I was a co-founder uh-huh. of this project that we literally took from a germ of an idea uh-huh. that she had during a keynote speech into something where we can collect millions of letters to give to yes. young black girls. Yes, that's excellent. So excellent. that's how that got started yes. and that's what that's going to be. And we were just talking about maybe we should do the book first and write mm-hmm. our own letters mm-hmm. to encourage people to do it. Although we got calls from women wanting the letters for girls Good. before we even got started. So yes. I said that means there because is a need. people want to be able to say things. They want to say things, and they want these girls to yes. hear things. And they're so authentic as they come from a letter. Well, they had to be letters because text messages don't cut no. it, and phone calls are not the same. Mm-hmm. But um, letters require labor. Yes, yes. You have to actually yes, yes. sit down and think about what you're writing. Mm-hmm. You want it to, to look nice. You mm-hmm. want it to be something mm-hmm. that means something. It, it mm-hmm. makes you work a little harder. Sure, yeah. So that means the person who gets that gift gets something that's better. The letters are wonderful, and it's good for people to get them. But we need a book. I'm a bookseller, <laughs> and I like having a book. When she first talked about this just to that group of women, they started writing letters and sending them to her. <laughs> and then CBS did a little story just you know about the fact that there was the idea of it, and more letters came in. Wow. So we now have someone who is transcribing those letters mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. Um, documents mm-hmm. that can be turned into a book. Mm-hmm. And as we collect them, we're going to take the best ones and turn them into a book, Letters to Black Girls. Wonderful, wonderful. And I'll be looking forward to that. I will not let you miss All it. All right. All right, very good. Hopefully we have an opportunity to have something in the store, maybe a program where we have children to write letters back about the book. Oh, mm-hmm. I want some of these girls who are maybe 16, 17, mm-hmm. 18, mm-hmm. two or three years later to write their own letters to these sure, younger girls. Sure, you yeah. can never stop reaching back to help never. people understand something that you know better about right, now. Right, right. Well, thank you so much. Thank this you. This has been a great conversation. I want to talk more, but I think we're going to wrap it up. So one last thought from you. I can tell you that the the name of the book, (laughs) I had planned to call it Permission because of my essay about Uh having to have permission for everything. Uh And I was telling the publisher about that. She said, well, that's a good title. But, you know, you were talking about how this is such a heavy burden. And I said, you're right. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a burden for Mm African-Americans. It's a burden for this country Mm -hmm. that it continues to carry Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. century to century Mm -hmm. to century. And when W.E.B. Du Bois said that the color line would be the problem of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. He had no way to know it would be the problem of the 21st century, Mm -hmm. and we have to make sure it's not the problem of the 22nd. And I also want to thank you, Janet, for for Source, because even though I I was a library page in high school, I've always worked with books. Mm -hmm. I love books. Mm -hmm. I want them in my hand with pages, even though I finally got a Kindle. But I am so insistent that independent bookstores survive. I mean, if I go to the library to get a book, then I make sure I go to the nearest bookstore and buy a book, too. So thank you for what you do. I want people to to love bookstores and to make sure they last. And I will continue to write things that you hopefully will want in them. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you very much. That's going to do it for this edition of the Detroit Book Review. All the books mentioned and reviewed in this episode can be found or ordered at your local independent bookstore. I'm Kim Hunter, and thanks to the folks at the BookBeat, Pages Bookshop, and Source Booksellers for helping to make this podcast possible. Find and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. We're also at DetroitBookReview.org. Contact us at DetroitBookReview at gmail.com. The music for this podcast is a track called Shake It by Kai Lo Kaz.
Listen in again next time when Detroit booksellers will talk about books worthy of your irreplaceable time.